Welcome to the Strategy Mob Podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy Mob. Today, I have two very special guests. I have Mr. John Kostakis, literally like right down the street from me. I think, John, you're like, what, 25 minutes away from me, and you're outside enjoying the beautiful weather. So thank yes, you for yes, yes. So thanks for joining us. And from the other side of the country, um, where it's very interesting right now, Chris, you're going to have to tell us a little bit about that. But I have Mr. Chris Power Gomez. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, I figure the best way to kind of kick off our conversation today will be a couple origin stories, kind of how both of you gentlemen got started. So, John, if you don't mind, I'm going to start off with you. What is the origin story that is John Kostakis? Uh, prior to 1995, I was in the food business for about 10 years. And then in 1995, I answered an ad in the Toronto Stars on the QEW for a company that was looking that it said seminar company, great opportunity, call this number. So I called the number and it was a company out of Detroit Master Marketing, still around today. And they were launching a brand new sales trainer doing seminars in, well, there was one happening in Hamilton and that guy's name was Grant Cardone. So they had just, yeah, so they, uh, they, we, we brought him to Canada and, and I mar have marketed him for maybe the, uh, the first 16 years of my career. And then I got involved with another company, Proactive Dealer Solutions, Mike Over. I don't know if you've heard of those guys. Oh, kind of involved in the origin of that company. And then through that whole time, um, I'm originally from London, Ontario. Um, I knew a guy, um, uh, introduced a fellow named uh, Dwayne Marino. All right, okay. So, so Dwayne, <laughs> I know you do. So, so Mr. Dwayne, um, we were, we've been friends for a long time. And um, maybe 10 years ago, I uh, started representing him in Canada. And, and then also in the winters, I'll go down to the U.S. and I represent an American speaker named Damien Boudreaux. I don't know if that name, right? He launched the career of Ali Retta, you know, the number one salesman in the world. So, and that's what I do. So I'm, I, I travel North America. I go to cities, promote my seminars. And uh, the salespeople come, managers come sometimes, and that's it. That's what I've been doing for the last 25 years. That's, that's cool. Uh, I bet you you got some stories that you might have to share off camera, or maybe I can get you to share them on camera. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> hey, yeah. hey, Chris, for yourself, how did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? Uh, I think I was born into it. I've been a car guy all my life, oh, a driver primarily. Um, I, I've raced everything from quarter midgets to sprint cars to SCCA and motorcycle side also. Um, and then uh, kind of halted that for a little bit when I went to college. And then, well, actually, first day out of high school, I started my first company and it was auto related. I, I started an interesting um, sub industry called van conversions back in 1976. Um, mm -hmm. At any rate, so we uh, we 
supplied custom vans to you know a lot of the Ford, Chevy, and Dodge dealers throughout Southern California, and kind of created that that industry. Um, went to college, and um, from there I went into I'm a brand developer and uh, have four decades of uh, experience in brand development for uh, global ad agencies and and uh, that kind of thing. Um, in regard to cars, uh, I uh, I own a publishing industry. I mean, a publishing company in the, in the auto industry, auto related. I have a magazine called Auto Life, um, and uh, I uh, am now also have a, I have a motorsports company, Power Brothers Motorsports, that's customizing, and I'm just now launching uh, an offering to auto dealerships called um, that company is called uh, uh, Dealer Position, and the offering is. Uh, 2020 dealer of choice and we'll get into that that's cool i mean very you know i find for a lot of people who get into our industry is that they almost just kind of fall into it you know very seldom do you get to meet someone who blew up with uh, gasoline and their uh, grew up with gasoline in their blood so chris it's cool it's cool to jam with you guys hey um man talk about some interesting times guys seriously like uh wow talk about just really pushing the taking the entire industry and flipping it up on its head um i mean i even know from my business i mean within two weeks just everything just you know now it's kind of we're in we're getting into june now thank god you know and it seems like there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel um i know this is so much different than what the recession was i mean the recession for me guys was this kind of long drawn out six to nine months of just kind of things progressively getting worse this was just a an implosion of things so i would love to kind of hear it from you guys of kind of what your current norm looks like um john i mean i know there's a lot of events that are just not happening i know i personally had like almost half a dozen events get canceled and who knows if they're going to be rescheduled so i'll start with you john what's your current norm look like well it's a lot of family time right now i mean i had a seminar yeah it's, it's you know what it's been fantastic because i've been able you know i i, I would travel 30 weeks a year all over you know pr promoting and so it's it's nice to be home. It's nice to connect with the family. It's been pretty fantastic that way. My my last seminar was in Saskatoon. It was March 24th, 25th with Dwayne, and which didn't happen. So that uh, kind of sucks. So that that's been rescheduled for September. I had it rescheduled for later on in the summer, but I said, you know what, screw that. We'll just do it September, the first week of September. So I'm an optimist. I think that. I think that we will be back. Um, I'll, I'll I'll be back on the street uh, probably in September. I mean, it's pretty nice, and we'll 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 see. We'll see. I mean, I hope. I mean, I think we're a culture of of uh, of people that like to connect, that like to be together, that like to socialize, that like to go to ball games, that like to go. And I think even the seminar, Mr. Jason, the seminar. The seminar will be something that will be really, really phenomenal because a live event down the road will be like this because nothing beats a live event. It's going to be pretty awesome to get there with uh, with an industry expert and live to to listen to them and to take notes and to connect with people again. That's going to be very special. That's just what I. That's my opinion. No, John, I'm with you, man. I'm looking forward to you know getting flying down and meeting with people and connecting with people and networking with people and I tell you, there's nothing like the the energy of getting on the stage in front of a bunch of people. Um, but it's going to be interesting though. You know, you know, it, I feel like everyone kind of is split down the middle as far as social 
you know, kind of expectations of how we're going to interact moving forward. You know, I mean, I've, you know, I know a lot of big event companies have fundamentally pivoted their business to prepare for, you know, a lot more virtual type events. So I, I don't know. I, I agree with you. I'm excited to get back to it, but I'm not 100% sure how it's going to happen. So we're going to see how that goes. Hey, Chris, for yourself, what, what's your current norm look like? Well, basic structure hasn't changed a lot. I'm in my pool house in my backyard. Um, that's my office. Um, and, um, you know, one, one thing that I, I've been, I've been working to launch this uh, auto dealership initiative well, well pre-COVID. Um, and interestingly enough, um, it's an initiative that, that realigns the, the auto dealership with the local community residents. Um, sort of goes back to the old days of the auto dealership, and then to have the COVID uh, virus, you know, the COVID program come along, program whatever we call this, it's terrible. I mean, it's terrible. It, it's funny how we can talk about it and and in such a light, shallow manner, and and we're, we're speaking of a pandemic that's killing people, and that's how it comes in. But um, so so I have been. I, I launched another new business that's taken most of my time about six months ago. Uh, called the LinkedIn Executive. Um, all of my businesses start with the core of my branding offerings, and you know I, I, I usually don't tell people this, but it's a way for me to stay relevant at 62 years old. Um, I take my core, I take my core branding offerings, and I sort of build them into industry industry specific um, services. So, but my point was that um, prior to the coronavirus, I was working on this this realignment with the local community residents and the dealership. And it's a, a comprehensive full spectrum program that starts with them, um, starts with at the dealership. So, you know, um, customer touch points within the dealership and then, you know, goes to some, some brand nuanced changes and then uh, channels directly, marketing channels directly to the audience and then community work. Um, so that's been taking all my time and uh, it, it has slowed down my, completion of the program because going and speaking to dealerships is great. So and also it has changed some of the structure of the offering. Um, luckily I'm working with some uh, McKinsey business strategy types that can switch on a dime. <laughs> to them it's all methodology. Um, so I guess that that sums it up. But I'm here well, with my I, family. I think that's for a lot of us that kind of seems to be the norm is you know how do we pivot? You know, how do, how do we continue to stay relevant? You know, um, I, I definitely anticipate that there's we're going to come back to some style of norm, you know, just as an industry is doing. What does that look like? I mean, uh, John, there is so much kind of thoughts and ideas about what, you know, it's going to look from like a salesperson's perspective, what it's going to look like from a sales manager's perspective, and even all the way down to how a dealer even operates. You know, a lot of dealerships right now are, are, are doing a lot with a little, and they're beginning to realize, you know, do they really need, you know, an F&I manager, a sales manager, a salesperson, a BDC person, you know, just to complete a singular transaction, you know, um, people are questioning that. And I kind of want to hear what your thoughts are. Is, do you see this pandemic adjusting the way a dealership is kind of structured from an operations perspective? I believe there's two ways of selling. You have the transactional way, 
which is you got the BDC, you got people waiting for dealer-driven opportunities, you have, um, you know, the the managers coaching and all that stuff. And then you have the relationship way. So what I've been a proponent of with Damien Boudreaux and Dwayne Marino is the relationship way of selling. They're just two different things. All the salespeople that I've encountered, I, I think if you're not in the relationship game today, if you then you're, you're pretty much done because you don't have any traffic. You got to be able to build relationships, connect with people. They have, they have to, you have to be their Google when they're, when, and, and here's the thing, that's an interesting point on FNI because believe it or not, and you know, when I'm doing a sales meeting at a store, um, well, I'll, I'll talk about Aldi Retta because he's selling a hundred plus cars a month, all relationship people coming to him. They love him, but He's his own FNI manager. So then on the transactional side, I, I go to a store here just a few weeks ago and the guy's like, you know what? We're doing fantastic. Um, we did 54 cars last month. We got five people and we don't, you know, I think we're, you know, we're, and they're talking. I'm like, dude, what do you, what do you, myself, I'm saying, dude, what are you talking? 54 cars is you got like, you have to be able to do more. That guy, I know that guy well. That guy's a that guy's a transactional sales manager. So it's all about like it's dealer driven opportunity. So they get stuck. So I, all I know is the relationship way. If you're in the relationship business, it's just a different game. That that's a totally different game. That's just my thoughts. No, no, no. I, I'm I'm with you on that. I think what we're going to see, you know, from a sales perspective and also from a leadership perspective, is the cream really is going to rise to the top. You know, in times like this, I saw the exact same thing happen right after the recession. You know, there are dealerships that folded up. There were sales managers that went off to look for different jobs or salespeople that went off to look for jobs. And the ones that kind of stuck around were the ones, to your point, John, that did an amazing job of creating relationships, nurturing those relationships and finding ways to continue to bring value to the customer. Right. Like, I think that's always the key. Hey, Chris, Chris, for yourself, what are your thoughts on kind of how, you know, the operations or the structure of a dealership may actually change, you know, moving forward? Well, operationally, I, I made a comment on a, on a post recently. Um, I went through in 1999, sort of a, a, a large event called the new economy and uh, the creation of the new economy. And it modified the way business was done to the core. And um, that, the new economy was a result of something we called the internet re revolution. So um, those two things changed business as we know it. Um, we had in America the mili military structure previously to where you, know, you as an employee um, advanced based on years, time on the job. And all of a sudden with the new economy, it was based on your ability to create revenue. Um, so, you know, at the time I was launching what was the first internet professional services firm, ad agency that built websites. And um, I had um, web builders, flash builders in, uh, in, on three continents. And there were 19 year old kids making a million dollars a year. Um, so at any rate, my point is that it seems that one of the very last holdouts on adopting the the infrastructure of a new economy business was the auto dealership. The components to a new economy business are no inventory, no employees, no overhead. Uh, so for me, 
you know, I've just been watching dealerships <clears throat> go on and build this incredible infrastructure with with every re local resident being employed there, and and um and and then having an assistant. Uh, it it just didn't make sense. So you see the used car folks coming in with the new economy business model, and all of a sudden everybody's going, "Wow, what's up with that?" Not necessarily speaking of the the um you know the, the coin operated. Uh, you can say car. You can say the Carvana word. I know it's not a dirty word on this one. I got a lot of four, a lot of four-letter words we say in the show. That one's fine. All of those used car models are new economy models. None of the new car models were were new economy models. That's a result, I think, of the the uh, thousand-pound gorilla manufacturers. Um, they they have a model and they want that model and they're going to do everything they can. Unfortunate side of it is that the manufacturers have also pushed down stress on sales that has 10 salesmen at, you know, waiting at the curb if anybody looks like they might drive in. Um, so to the point, um, you made a point that in the adapting to the new economy business model, they're actually saying, wow, cost per acquisition's down, overhead's down. Look at this, half the sales and I've got a larger profit. Um, go figure. I <laughs> know uh, it's, it's totally true. I mean, it's, it, it, look, yes, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I mean, I just think a lot of people are actually going to have to ask themselves that questions, you know, but then there are other people out there that are really still kind of struggling through this. And I think the fundamental bottom line answer to this is that for us as an industry, we're going to have to process our way to profitability. I mean, guys, look, before all this happened, you know, we had, you know, 2019, which was kind of a down year for us, right? We were flat, right? Some dealerships were a little down, some were a little up, some of them, most majority of them were flat. Between 2018, you know, the five years before then, we were running double digit gains quarter after quarter after quarter after quarter. I mean, we got fat. You know, I mean, John, I'm sure, you know, you know this on the training side, you know, a lot of people got just satisfied. You know, the term warm bodies was, was completely acceptable again, you know, but I think moving forward is like, we, we can't afford to do that. You know, we, we have to have people that are going to be able to adapt to the customer in the way that they want to communicate, you know, and make an experience like we never had before. Look, I, I will say this as an industry, we have we've risen to the we've risen to the um to the situation you know like look for for years we all kind of shuffled our feet as far as kind of adapting our communication processes and so on and so forth and in less than two months the entire automotive industry did actually step up so i will applaud them for that but i mean with that said though you know i still think dealerships are trying to find ways to continue to save money and every single time I have a conversation with a dealership, that just seems to be the converse, that seems to be what it's all about, it's how to save money. So uh, this is the way I'd like to kind of take the conversation with both of you guys, is your thoughts on dealerships and where they can save money moving forward. Something they should not cut, something they should cut. John, I'll start with you, and then Chris, I'll ask you the same question. I would never cut training, but that's the first thing they cut. I mean, I mean that's the that's that's the lifeblood of the business is training, and I mean I see it all the time. I mean I've probably been in forty thousand dealerships all over North America, 
and it will come back. And then, but what happens is people get just too complacent. They wait for the ups. They wait. I see it all the time and that's what happens, but you got to get into the relationship game. If you're not in the relationship game, you will be dead. Like you have to build a business within the business. It's, it's nothing new. It's not complicated. It's about building relationships, taking care of your customer. So when they're thinking about a car, then they will think of you. Period. That's it. Now, John, how do you think the training is going to change? You know, I mean, a lot of dealerships are, you know, a lot of customers' confidence is not overly high right now. So customers are choosing or demanding in some cases to do more of this virtually versus in person, which for the most part, all of our training for years, and I've been trained for years, has all been about having that person in front of you so that you can make that connection. How do you think that changes things moving forward? Like... For the next few months, you might have to do these type of Zoom little uh, meetings with your customer. You can go meet your customer. But if there's no relationship, you're, you're, you're done because, because you're, you're just waiting for someone that you don't know. And if it's someone that you don't know, it's the hardest customer to sell because you're going to grind you on the price. What about this? What about that? I'm not sure. I'm checking around. So, so what they should have done over the last four years is built up a little base and, and, and talk to their people, connect with their people, call their people, call their people. They call their people once, once, uh, once every couple of months. Look, I was just, I was just thinking about you. How are you doing? How's everything? That's how Ali Retta does it. That's how Damien Boudreau does it. And then even with the Dwayne, like we teach, we teach that part of it. And I stopped when maybe four years ago, our seminars were, 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 were ahead of the curve because our seminar in Canada that I do with Dwayne's called uh, Never Depend on Lot Traffic Again. That's what it's called. I said, look, we're not teaching road to the sale. We're not teaching how to close car deals. We're going to teach how to build a business within the business, how to make yourself the product, right? So that that's critical. That should never stop. And that's why I love going on the road. That's why I love going to the cities because I am an advocate for the salesperson. Uh, and and every salesperson has greatness in them. They just, it's it's there for them. They, they, they have to work on their skill. They have to work on their game. And that's my job and your job to sell the dealer to continue to do that. So. No, I agree with you. Look, creating a relationship now is more important than it ever has in the past. Uh, the key thing, though, and I, I'm finding with a lot of dealerships is that we have to create that relationship the way the customer wants to create that relationship, not the way that we necessarily want to do so. You know, if the customer wants to communicate and connect on Instagram, you know, chat, they should be able to do that. If they want to, yeah, that's transactional, you know, right? That's, yeah. That's, uh, if they want to, they want a Facebook messenger yeah. with somebody, they should be able to Facebook messenger. I'm still blown away that it's 2020 guys and are on all of our automotive website solutions out there uh, from a form fill perspective, only ask for email and phone number. You know, like you, you guys communicated with me, you uh, like calling me or email, that ain't going to happen. You LinkedIn message me because, you know, that's where I pretty much spend 95% of my time. <laughs> um, but before we go into the next topic, Chris, I want to go back to you. And from a cost savings perspective, all right, uh, a lot of dealerships are looking and trying to figure out what do they cut? What do they don't cut? Chris, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I happen to agree, John, with you 100%. Um, it is about relationships. And um, the numbers, the customer satisfaction numbers of 2019 tanked. Um, in fact, they had customers um, angry at customer experience and, uh, and that type of thing. And, and why is that? Because they fell in, they fell in line with um, instant gratification of live leads. 
people people sitting in the in in the short buying cycle and and it, it progressed to where many of them were all in in that and it's a very expensive method but it's instant gratification now uh, I'm a proponent of relationships with your local community residents now I, yes. I have this funny story okay there's there's a car buyer out there Jim decides he wants to buy a car. Jim goes to Google and searches for the car he wants. Jim gets extracted and sold to a local dealership as a live lead. The people within the dealership call, email, and court Jim. Jim buys a new car. Jim lives next door to the dealership. Okay. Now, uh, dealerships used to be built in the center of town. They were a, a uh, architectural icon, a little progressive for each town, and they opened up to the local community. Now, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley with Galpin Ford. Yeah. When the new models would come in, there would be searchlights crossing over the sky. I mean, it was like Disneyland, okay? You'd stop by there and you'd talk to your salesman buddy. You'd have coffee. At nine at night, you would stop by and talk to your salesman buddy, okay? Every family had a doctor, had an accountant, and had a car dealer. Now, every time there was a question about a car, even if it was what I got, where do I get a new gas cap? They called their buddy. When it was time to buy a car, it was already made. The decision was already made. Okay, that is what my 2020 dealer of choice program is all about. Now, if you go back to that time and you look at numbers spent on marketing and number of cars sold it kicks our ass today in regard to customer acquisition costs okay so i am a proponent of relationships in a big way i'm a proponent of the car dealer being a friend of the family and that's what my program is going to be. Uh, you know one the channel delivery to the community is my magazine auto life as a content marketing magazine going into each of their mailboxes, speaking completely about the dealership and their manufacturer. Quit spending all that money every month to get live leads and then figure out what to do. I mean, you're, you're just chasing a dream. Every, you got to recreate the wheel every time you find a new customer. Ridiculous. So at any rate, now I have friends that are digital marketing folks. Jason, I, I've felt bad so many times. I've felt that so many times because I see you, I see your point. I'm all, no way. And I get on, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I might have just said something wrong. So I, I put a messenger and go, Jason, I'm sorry. Uh, but the reality is there's so many things like my other, my other business, uh, LinkedIn executive. Proliferation of the personal brand. I've been a brand developer for four decades. Guess what's missing from the personal brand? The brand. It's nothing more than a social media strategy. So everybody's all whacked out in this world as far as I'm concerned. You need to get back to good old-fashioned relationships. Well, and, and think about what those relationships are built on, right? The reason we maintain and have relationships is because we're receiving value from that relationship. Mm -hmm. Now, look, when, when I first started in this industry, that's what it was. I was like, and, and I had to build value like really quick. 
because it was pretty much here's one week of training, here's a phone book, now start making phone calls. So, you know, literally creating value on someone I've, with someone I've never even had a conversation with, right? That's how it was for me. But I, I agree with you. I, th- I think we actually do have to get back, you know, to the, to the basics and create the relationships. And a relationship starts with a good story. You know, that is the one thing I'm finding moving forward, guys, is that we're going to have to get back to being the storytellers that we've always kind of been into. Look, someone's going to want to consume a story before they actually want to consume your product or your services. And it just seems like we've, we've as an industry, we've, we've relied so much, so much on the story from the manufacturer that as a dealership, we just kind of avoided creating our own story right but guys i'm with you on the relationship side but i actually want to talk about another type of relationship with you guys too and that's actually the relationship with our staff so i don't know about you guys but i've been having a lot of conversations with dealerships daily since this whole thing started and you know we were talking a little earlier how the cream rises to the top I'll tell you, that's not just as sales and service, you know, that has also to do with ownership. And I have met some owners that have really shown their colors in a good way, and in some cases, a bad way. (laughs) And I'd like to kind of get you guys' thoughts on this, because I'm getting asked the question on a pretty regular basis, is, you know, from an owner's perspective, you know, how do we keep our company's, you know, culture kind of alive during this time frame. Look, consumer confidence is way down. Staff confidence is way down. You know, we seem to focus on the consumer relationship and their confidence, but we seem to forget about our staff relationship and our staff confidence. John, I'd kind of like get your thoughts on this. And then Chris, I'm gonna ask you the same question is, you know, how do we keep our company's culture alive during the pandemic? Your thoughts, John? I think it starts with the owner being, or general manager, owner, general manager. Is that kind of the, right? Yeah, to be to be more involved and engaged in the process with the customers today, hands-on involvement, supporting their their, their salespeople. And I mean, those, those are the managers that I deal with, I have dealt with. I mean, they, they, they love their people, they take care of their people. So, I mean, um, but just to Chris's point, like just the point before that Chris was saying about what a fascinating thing about the community, because um, when they asked Ali Retta, they asked him in an interview, if you had, if you could start your business today, start it over today to, 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 to be a car salesman, what one single strategy would you implement into your business? It could be Facebook or whatever it was. And Ali Retta, he said one word, and that word was community. So that was really fantastic what Mr. Chris said there, community. That's what it's all about. So anyways, that's, um, I, I said, I don't know much about how that part of the intricacies of the store work. Like I said, I, I deal with the salesperson and I get them to come to the seminar. However, the most, the most important person is the, the dealer or the general manager that will give me the opportunity to present to the salespeople. So those guys that I know are, uh, forward thinking they're enthusiastic they're involved with their people they care about their people they love their people they're involved in their business so that's what you got to do more today no no no, i'm with you i mean i think being involved in the business is very true guys i look we were kind of talking about it you know 2018 and back i call it full belly syndrome where we talked a lot about what we accomplished 
and talked very little about what we could have accomplished if we just sat down, take the time, create those relationships and developed out that community. Um, Chris, I'd kind of like to get your thoughts, man. You've, you've run a lot of businesses. Um, you know, you've dealt with employees kind of all over the world. You know, this is interesting times and there's a lot of dealerships that are watching and listening right now. And you know, that, that's something on their mind is like, how do they continue to maintain and keep up their staff confidence and that culture of their dealership. Your thoughts, Chris? Well, in, uh, in 1980, working for a global advertising agency, I had the Honda Automobiles account. And I did a two-tier campaign, internal campaign. One was called Our Customers, Our Friends, and one was called Our Employees, Our Friends. So, um, let me just say that it's no coincidence that the employees, including sales, happen to live in the local community. So if you can adopt a community program, if you can make changes to the nuances in your brand that puts the dedication and the focus back on your local community, that's going to have a two-tier effect, and that's employees and resident slash car buying public it's all about it's all about coming back home now things that are going to change i'm sorry mike be getting off topic a bit but things that are going to change um within the auto dealership are um right now nobody wants to go into the auto dealership so zoom uh you know internet it's it's king oh that's not going to last long what's going to happen is people are going to have a much smaller geographic footprint so the internet, which gave options of dealerships to folks. So we here in Thousand Oaks would go to Oxnard or the San Fernando Valley or Simi Valley. No, you're going to go to your local dealership again. You don't want to travel. Okay. Now, if the dealership can accommodate with customer touch points within the dealership to embrace the local community, that's the way it's going to change. Okay. There's going to be coffee clubs for the women to go to in the morning at the Volvo deal. Okay. There's going to be, um, you know, programs that embrace the local residents. And, you know, when the local resident comes in for that program, they're going to stop by whatever department and say hello to their neighbor because they're all part of the same community. So 2020 dealer of choice, the uh, community alignment program. It, it also has um, an added value element of the employees being community residents. Because the, I mean, look, the employees are literally our best. Oops, got some weird audio there. Our, the employees are our best marketing tool, and and, and I don't know how yeah. and when. Well, well, they've always have been, but it's just I know you're funny, John. You funny guy. Um, but but no, I mean, come on, John. I mean, you you remember? I mean, when when I first started out in this business, it was the employees that were pretty much the ones that were marketing. We actually had a prospect. We had this crazy thing called prospecting. <laughs> Like, well, they still you know, do it today. Well, who the hell does Certain it today? Do it. Well, that's what, that's what I'm saying. There you go. That's relationship building. That's what they call it prospecting because the manufacturer told them to. Well, to right. your point, right? I mean, I can't tell you how many dealerships have kind of gone away from that because they, again, I think it's full belly syndrome. It's just like we're just so satisfied with what they have. They don't ever talk about what they could possibly would could they had if they just done this, this, and this, you know. And I think a lot of that has to do with just the situation, you know. They're they're satisfied, you know. So I, it is, you know. <laughs> but I think moving forward, though, I think you know we've had a rude awakening. We've had to learn. We've had to <laughs> learn a lot 
from this situation. In fact, actually, that's a perfect question and where we're going to go into my next question for both of you guys is, you know, what do you think is the single most important thing that you have learned from this situation? And then we'll talk a little bit about what I think dealerships have learned as well. John, I'll start with you. What is the most important thing you've learned from this pandemic? I've learned nothing. I mean, what am I supposed like? No, because I always say that because look, I'm a seminar promoter. Okay, like I live and die by the seminar. So I mean, a virus. I can't control the virus. I can't control them shutting me down. So I mean, oh, did I learn to uh, to uh, be more diversified? No, I don't really want to be diversified. I I I love doing what I'm doing. I'm 60 years old. I'm gonna live and die by the seminar. Um, I, I do promote some uh, some training, like we have a training program with Dwayne and stuff like that. But but oh, I don't, nothing, man. I'm just waiting to get back, dude. That's it. That's yeah, well, all right, fine. I will say you learned how to do a Zoom call because I watched I your, did, was, yeah. was, it, was, it, was it was your daughter or your granddaughter that helped yes, you set that up today? My daughter, my daughter, she set it up. That was good. You know what this, yeah, this is. See, this I is can't pretty good. Get, See this relationship, the relationship yeah. we're making here, John? Yeah. It's great, right? Yeah, but the best thing is to say, okay, so you know what? When can we meet for a coffee at the Starbucks since we're 20 minutes apart? That's how you develop. And that's what most people miss, right? No, I'm with you. In fact, actually, you know what? I've been doing a lot of coffee Zoom sessions, you know, with people right now that, you know, I'm meeting for the first time. And I will say this, John, this is the one thing I've learned, is that, you know, being virtual connections, all right, I'm actually finding the customers are more hyper-attentive to what I'm saying than when I was in the dealership. Because when I was in the dealership, it was like, this was going off, the cell phone was going off, the text message was coming in. You know, it's like now, like they get onto a Zoom call or video call like we're having now. And it's like, no, they're they're watching exactly what I'm saying. They're watching my eyes, they're looking at my mouth. You know, it's like, I'm I'm actually trying to make a mental note to actually smile more often because it's something I know, you know, it's like now you're on camera, you better smile. And, and Chris, Chris is bang on with that community. That is that is 100% bang on fact for today. I mean, it's always been there, but it's a fact only because I know in Baton Rouge, there, there's a Chevrolet dealer that all his money spent in the community. And for NADA for last year, the, the number one dealer was a Chevrolet dealer in, in Jacksonville, Florida. Every single dollar he spent was in his community. So really, it is like just the most phenomenal. So... Uh, very nicely done, Mr. Chris. Hey, Chris, for yourself, um, you know, you, you've been through you know, the recession. You've been through a few blurps in the economy. All right. Um, what is the most, the, the single most important thing that you've learned during the pandemic? Let me just start with the first thing I miss, shaking somebody's hand. Oh, man, I'm with you on that. <laughs> I'm a handshaker guy. I mean, you know. So um, what, what did I learn? Uh, how to put on a face mask and um, don't trust the government to protect you. That, that's, that's exactly it, huh? Just <laughs> don't trust the government. I'm glad now to put a face mask on. They got us into this. <laughs> Hey, no, no. Uh, look, I'm, I'm with you. I think uh, preparation for anything and everything. I will say, though, I am pretty good about being prepared. It's the Boy Scout in me. 
Like it really is. Like I'm pretty much prepared for pretty much any contingency. I, I got to be honest, from a business perspective, I was not prepared losing 80% of my revenue in two weeks. <laughs> like let's just put that out there. Right, that was, <laughs> well, yeah, it's okay, right? It's definitely been some interesting times. Um, and, and, and because of those times, you know, we don't only just have to support ourselves as business owners, you know, but we also have to store, uh, you know, support our employees. And, you know, um, you know, John, I kind of got to get your thoughts on this. And Chris, I'll get your thoughts on too, is, you know, as owners, you know, how do, how do we support the people around us? John, your thoughts? You support them with coaching, with motivation, with encouragement, with love, and being there for them. That's basically it. To help them. Hey, Chris, for yourself, what are your yeah. thoughts? Well, I happen to have the, um, the wonderful uh, benefit of being really, really old. Um, so also, there's been some pretty substantial circumstances in my life. Uh, so I have traumatic brain injury. I, 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 um, I, I live every day to help people. I, I love helping. I, I reach out to other traumatic brain injury patients, car business. Um, people that have lost their jobs on my other business. Um, you know, and then there's the regular, I, I have to tell you a quick story. Um, this is bizarre, but this pandemic kind of brought everything to me and leveled out the playing field. For nine years, I've been recovering from a catastrophic accident where I actually died and was in a coma. And, and um, in, a, in a crosswalk as a pedestrian, I was hit by a bus at 52 years old. It took me out, okay? Came back to life without much memory of my life. Had to start over, learn to walk, everything. I don't leave home. I have traumatic brain injury. I freak out. I have a 60-mile footprint that happens to be Mulholland Drive that I take my hot, my cars, my hot rods, and my motorcycles on every afternoon, okay? So I do all my business from my pool house. Um, all of a sudden, it's in vogue. So, uh, right. So um, I, you know, I, I have in the, in the nine years with, that I've been alive, so to speak, I haven't been on an airplane to a mall to a movie theater. My brain won't let me. So, welcome to my world. That's you know what that's that. Is, uh, thank you for sharing that, by the way. Um, and actually, that's that's a good segue kind of into my next question because there I think there are a lot of businesses out there that are you know that have had employees continue to work from home, right? And they're seeing efficiencies, increase in productivity, um, you know, from an automotive perspective, you know, I have some salespeople that are, you know, have been recently offered jobs to work for dealerships where they stay from home, they prospect from home, all right, and they come in when they have to meet with a client. And I'm like, that's pretty different and unique. You know, do you guys kind of see moving forward? And Chris, I'd love to get your thoughts on this because you've been living it for such a long time. But John, I'll start with you first is moving forward. You know, do you see our industry, you know, shifting to more of a remote employee? Uh, in the short term, yes, I think it'll be something that will be, it'll be incorporated. Um, it'll be optional, I think. I mean, um, well, I know like the number one GM salesman in Canada, um, in Guelph, in February, like when it was just happening, he, he, he was on pace for a 44 car month and it was Zoom meetings. So he adapted really really well. So he'll do both. So it'll be a combination of both. 
I still think the stores are going to come back. I think people want to go back into the dealership. I think consumer wants to go back into the dealership or they can do the zoom meeting. You can go to their home. I mean, I mean, the home delivery was the home delivery has been around since 1975. Like it's not new. So you just gotta, you just gotta get in the game of sales. Right. That's right. You can't like it's it can't not be just like a job a job. Those are the people that are going to get slaughtered, right? Just job, right? Um, uh, we're going to have a we're going to have a correction. Um, uh, we screwed ourselves. Sorry to say, but um, the dealership is an incredible icon of the community. I love going to dealerships. I love walking through there and hanging out. Yep. Okay, it's cool. It's a great place, and the owner spent a ton of money making it a great place. Okay. That's not going to go away. Now, how did we screw ourselves? By by embracing the digital environment way too much. We were trying to figure, you know, before the pandemic, we were trying to figure out how to get people coming through the doors. Come on. This is a great place to hang out. Okay. My magazine, Auto Life, the actual name of it is Automobile Lifestyles. It's about people and their relation to the automobile. Are you kidding? If you've got a Ferrari, Every member of your family has a complete wardrobe of Ferrari gear. Okay? Everything. You know, whatever brand it is, that's called automobile lifestyles. That's a result of a dealership. Plain and simple. Okay, every Porsche club is driven out of the Porsche dealership. Every it is an icon to the community, as I said in the beginning. Let's get back to that. Yes, we need to do business online. We need social media. Social media is wonderful. You don't have to pay for it. Hell. Go talk to a million people. It's beautiful. Okay? Go pay some guy that has no education, but he's an influencer. Okay? Um, sorry, I was a little dig. Um, Thanks, anyway, Chris. Appreciate it. Not you. Come on. See, I always have to come back and message you and say, I'm sorry. Um, That's with you. All right. Anyway, it's got to get back to that. You know, yes, a car salesman should do some of the work from home. Are you kidding? This is his work right here. His next door neighbor. He's going to buy a car every three years, you know, so got to get back to that. Of course, do business digitally. Got to have that. You've got to build a well-rounded media plan. Right, Jason? Okay. Very much so, so agreed. I think I might have touched on your, your subject. No, you did. And, and no, 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 no. I'm with you, right? I mean, you guys are you guys are really driving home the point that it is. It's about the relationship. It's about creating the community. You know, um, it, it's time to be the professional again. 
You know, this is, um, John, what were you saying earlier? This is not just a G-O-B. This is, you know, this is a career. This career. is a commitment. And I, and I think for, for a lot of people, and I'm not just talking about salespeople. I'm also talking about sales managers. I'm talking about general managers. I'm talking about service service employees and even some kind of owners. And I think we have to recommit back to the business. And this is an amazing time to do that and recommit well. to those to those efforts. Hey, guys, I know that's getting towards the tail end of our time today. But before... Before you guys go, I get to ask one question. It's my favorite question of the day. You know, John, I'm going to start with you because you just look like a guy that's generally pissed off all the time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. But, John, here's my question. What is pissing you off? Well, not being able to go back to work. That's it. What am I, I going to tell you? Loving the time at home. Um, it's just phenomenal. Walking every day, playing Frisbee with the, the grandkids um it's just it's just a wonderful time so but what's pissing me off is just being kind of trapped so but uh september hey come hell or high water man i'm gonna be on that street (laughs) (laughs) i'm with you on that man hey chris for yourself what is pissing you off (laughs) uh well i've been married 37 years and uh I'm i'm with my wife 24 hours a day now you can answer that question that's a great way to do that. Are you sure you want me to re- send this clip over? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm with you on that. Um, I have three kids. Uh, they're all under the age of 10. And I love my kids. Don't get me wrong. I really do. But wow. Um, sitting yeah. sitting down trying to do homework with them. <laughs> it's it's enough to drive anybody crazy. Hey, guys, for everybody out there that's watching and listening right now and love to connect with you fine gentlemen, what is the best way to do so? John, I'll start with you, and Chris, I'll ask you the same question. The best way with me is through uh, LinkedIn. That's it. That's that's the number one way. Uh, Chris, for yourself, what's the best way to connect with you, sir? Same. I use LinkedIn as a nucleus. Everything stems out from there. Find me on LinkedIn. Awesome, guys. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a ton of fun. You guys have yourself an amazing day. Thanks. Thank you. Hey, nice seeing you, John. Thank you. Yes, likewise. Thank you, sir. Thanks, thank you. guys.